Hi, I'm Adam Phillips, and I love comics. Sure, I love superhero comics, but I also love comics that are funny, or romantic, or educational, or even kind of filthy. Some have been around for decades, but I have a special place in my heart for the ones that came and went in the blink of an eye. We call them one-shots, and some of them you may have heard of, while others might make you ask, why? This is One-Shot Wonders. How does a legendary comics creator go from introducing some of the most revered heroes of all time to creating some of the weirdest? From heroes whose adventures have been made into blockbuster movies seen around the world, to ones that even hardcore comics fans might not know of. Characters that only outlived their initial failures through their extreme strangeness. In the early 1940s, Joe Simon was a comics writer, artist, and editor at the top of his field. With his partner, Jack Kirby, Simon created Captain America for Timely Comics, the company that would one day rebrand itself as Marvel. But Simon and Kirby wouldn't stay there long. Disputes with their publisher over promised royalties led the team to move to D.C., where they created the enormously popular Boy Commandos, as well as the Newsboy Legion, Manhunter, and an updated version of the Sandman, who was now accompanied by a sidekick, Sandy the Golden Boy. By the late 1940s, after the superhero genre had started to fade, Simon and Kirby introduced the romance comics genre with Young Romance, as well as moving into Western, war, and horror comics, and even more. The prolific team would go their separate ways by the late 1950s, reteaming for just a few projects in the decades to come. Kirby moved to DC, followed by a long stretch of incredible creativity at Marvel. Joe Simon moved into advertising, and in 1960 he became the founding editor on Sick Magazine, one of the most successful of the many mad imitators. Joe Simon re-entered mainstream comics in 1968, bringing the first of several strange new properties to DC, starting with the almost beyond belief Brother Power, the geek, and we'll come back to him another time. Simon returned in 1973 with Prez, the first teen president of the United States. The series was a clear response to the voting age being lowered to 18 in 1971. Prez only lasted four issues, followed by a one-off appearance in Supergirl. You have to give props to Joe Simon, though. Even though he was in his late 50s at the time, projects like Brother Power the Geek and Prez showed his lasting interest in youth culture and the concerns of the day. And if you're thinking that two outlandish creations isn't really that many, let's keep in mind that Joe Simon was also the mind behind the Green Team and the Outsiders, no Batman and, that both made their debuts in DC's first issue special series. Joe Simon would also go on to reteam with Jack Kirby on a new version of The Sandman, which only lasted a few issues and was also pretty strange. And if those are weird, I'd like to think that somewhere there's a drawer full of ideas that Joe Simon pitched to DC, but which weren't accepted as being even weirder than Brother Power the Geek. Prez in particular made an impact, as seen in Vertigo Visions, Prez, a 1995 one-shot written by Ed Brubaker and illustrated by Eric Shanauer. Today, Ed Brubaker is one of the top writers in comics. He's carved out a unique spot for himself and his frequent collaborator, artist Sean Phillips. 
no relation to me, as the only team under an exclusive contract with Image Comics. Together, they're putting out graphic novels under the series title Reckless. But back in the 1990s, Brubaker was just getting started in comics with series like Low Life, which he wrote and illustrated. He made his DC Comics Vertigo debut with this one-shot, Vertigo Visions Press. Quick sidebar, if you're not aware, Vertigo was a DC Comics imprint introduced in 1993 after the success of mature readers' titles like Swamp Thing, Hellblazer, and Sandman. The Vertigo editors excelled at creating sub-imprints, including Vertigo Crime, Vertigo Voices, and Vertigo Visions, the latter of which focused on updates and reinterpretations of older DC characters, like Prez, for instance. Between the cover of Vertigo Visions Prez and its story title, there's no mistaking where this tale is going to take you. The story is called Smells Like Teen President, and the cover, painted by John Ader, shows a beat-up old sedan with Nirvana, Sonic Youth, and Dinosaur Jr. bumper stickers. The car is heading toward the horizon, over which looms the shadowy figure of Prez himself. To the sides of the cars are newspapers caught in the wind, one of which bears the one-word headline, Terror. And this is six years before the September 11th attacks. Brubaker's writing would become more nuanced in the future, and while it's a very enjoyable read, it's definitely the work of a writer at the start of his career, heavy on speeches and light on subtlety. The plot follows the familiar route of character finds a clue that leads him to a new setting, where he finds another clue that leads him to another new setting, etc., etc. The story is illustrated and lettered by Eric Shanower, who at the time was best known for his fantastic series of Oz graphic novels. It's beautifully illustrated, but it loses a few points for the somewhat lame handling of a nude scene at the end, where our main character's genitals are shown, but drawn very indistinctly. It's like you're wearing glasses that keep everything in focus except his penis. The main cast consists of three young men, Jason, George, and George's best friend, PJ, who grew up believing that Prez Rickard, the country's teen, first teen president, was his father. PJ, of course, is for Prez Jr. Prez himself has long since disappeared, though, and with him, much of the nation's sense of stability. The story begins at a rest stop during a road trip, and we learn how the trio ended up out on the road, far from their home turf of San Francisco. After forming a rock band and finding true love, PJ started questioning the point of it all, going on drunken benders and neglecting his commitments. An article in a supermarket tabloid that says Prez was spotted in a Kansas City diner leads PJ to talk his friends into a road trip. But when they reach their destination, they find only some dubious information waiting for them at the diner where Prez was supposedly seen, along with a cute but creepy waitress who's obsessed with serial killers. The stop in Kansas leads them to Steadfast, Maine, birthplace of Prez, with plenty of arguments along the way about girls and whether anyone can stand to listen to the Lemonheads or Graham Parsons one more time on the car stereo. They soon reach their destination, where they see that the town has made itself into a Prez tourist trap. Disgusted by the tour they take of the Prez mansion and the commercialism of the town, PJ throws a brick through the window of Grandma's Preserabilia shop. PJ gets arrested, 
but one of his friends helps the shopkeeper clean up the shattered glass and learns where they can find Prez's childhood friend. Side note, the tour of the mansion has one of the story's funniest moments, as the boys argue about whether the guy in the picture with Prez was the singer for Echo and the Bunnymen or The Cure. It's actually the Sandman, whose series focused on Prez in issue number 54 as part of the World's End storyline. This new clue leads them to yet another destination, the town of Luck, Wisconsin. PJ, now growing increasingly disillusioned, knocks on the door of Prez's supposed friend, an over-the-hill hippie, who takes him to Prez's home, where he says, no, PJ is not the son of Prez, except perhaps in a metaphorical sense, because he sees quality in PJ that he remembers from Prez. In a box of old photos, PJ finds a dose of peyote. As the boys start home again, PJ takes the peyote, then wanders away from the car when it breaks down. Prez appears to him in his visions, telling him that his job is not yet done, and that he can help mend the country's wounds. In the wake of this, PJ, now going by his birth name, Henry, writes a letter to his old girlfriend, telling her that they're traveling the country, playing music, and working to bring people together. The story ends on a funny note as PJ starts singing Homeward Bound, and someone else in the car yells, Shut up with that hippie shit! In this issue's On the Ledge editorial column, Ed Brubaker writes about his dislike of posers, the commercialization of alternative culture, and how he ended up writing a project for Vertigo. And he captures the essence of Smells Like Teen President succinctly. They went looking for themselves and found America instead. Prez continues to pop up now and then. He played a small role in Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Strikes Again in 2001, and then he was reinvented in 2016 by writer Mark Russell and artist Ben Caldwell as teenager Beth Ross, that's right, a girl, in a miniseries that was a sharp satire on recent political events. You should check it out. Thanks for listening to One Shot Wonders. I'll be back next week with another One Shot comic. Meanwhile, hit the subscribe button, leave me a review, tell your friends, and go buy some comics.